you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. Today and this summer, uh, we're going to be walking through uh, the go- or the gospel, the book of Acts together. Um, and so, if you would uh, turn to Acts chapter one, uh, that's where we're going to be. Uh, and if you and if you don't know, uh, we we call Acts the Acts of the Apostles. These are the people uh, that that knew Jesus, uh, and after Jesus dies and rises again, he ascends into heaven. And the book of Acts tells us what happens next. And, and it says, you know, this is what uh, those who were left behind did. But, but that name um, is, kind of, is kind of wrong. Uh, because if you've ever read the book of Acts, which I'm hoping this summer you'll notice, um, while the apostles, uh, people uh, like Peter at the beginning and, and Paul later on, while they do a lot of things, uh, the primary um, actor in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit, Uh, and the person of Jesus. And so it's probably more um, accurate to call it the acts of the Spirit uh, after the ascension. Because after Jesus goes back into heaven, he leaves a bunch of uh, human beings around uh, to try and figure out what's next. But they actually don't figure out what's next. Instead, what they do is, is they listen and do all kinds of crazy things because God's Spirit prompts and leads them. And so as we start this book together, um, as we open up scripture together, let's take a moment to pray and, and then we'll, we'll get started. And I'll be reading uh, to start verse 1 through the beginning of verse 10. Would you pray with me? Lord, open our hearts uh, to hear from uh, your scripture here. Help us to be uh, challenged in the ways that we need to be challenged and comforted in the ways that we need to be comforted. Help us to be reminded of who you are as the God who not just has things for us to do, but more, far more, Lord, than anything else, the God who pursues human beings relentlessly, uh, who pours out abundant gifts. So, Lord, help us to hear from you in Scripture, Lord, today. In your name, amen. All right, so Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1, says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And and really quick, if you're wondering, sometimes people don't know this, Acts is is the sequel to Luke. It's part two of Luke. So when when the author of Acts, Luke, uh, says in his former book, he's talking about Luke, and he's writing to uh, Theophilus. Theophilus uh, just means... Uh, lover of God. And so we don't know, maybe this is a person whose name is Theophilus or just uh, some lover of God in general. Uh, But he says, so in my last book, in the Gospel of Luke, which maybe you've read before, I wrote all about Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So there's a little little introduction. He continues, On one occasion, uh, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him, uh, this is the disciples, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you at this time going to kick out the Romans and make a kingdom here and now for Israel? And Jesus says to them this, he says, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as we read Acts, you'll see they actually do this. Um, it, It follows that progression. It starts in Jerusalem and then expands to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And it says, and after Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid, them from, hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. And so uh, this is, it says 1 through 5, but this is 1 through 10a. Uh, so, so we've got the disciples, they're together. Jesus has told them a few different things. He've told, he's told them something's coming. Uh, the Holy Spirit's coming, and he's given them a mission. He says, this is what you're going to do when the Holy Spirit arrives, right? You're going to go and be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, But I just, I love uh, this passage of Scripture because I just can't help but imagine what it must have been like to be standing on that hill with Jesus, you know, when he ascends into heaven and disappears behind a cloud. Like, imagine with me a minute. So it's you. This is, this is you. Um, and there are 10 other people, uh, so far less than are in uh, this room, 10 other people. And you and these 10 other people have been following Jesus for three years. Uh, and you, you left everything behind to follow Jesus wherever he went because you thought he was the Messiah who was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. You thought maybe at the end of the road you'd get to be a king or something or like a, like a general in, in Jesus' world. And so you followed Jesus for three years. And if you've read the Gospels, you know, he does these amazing things. He heals people and feeds people and, and teaches people. And, and your whole life every day has been wake up. And the best thing that you can do that day is go wherever Jesus goes and do whatever he tells you to do. You know, this has been three years, you and nine other people, uh, you know, short one, because just a few days ago, um, one of you actually betrayed Jesus and, and killed himself. Um, so you're short one. Um, so here you are, uh, you've dedicated three years, you've burned all the bridges behind you, your dad is still mad at you for leaving the boat behind that day. Uh, uh, your teacher, your leader, the person whose footsteps you walked in every single day for three years, uh, but not just a really good teacher, right? Uh, the one who you saw uh, after he walked out of a tomb, the one that you saw hanging on a tree who defeated death, who healed every wound he ever encountered, who fed thousands, who is a fountain of wisdom, the person that was everything to you, uh, the one you ditched your job and your life for, uh, his right foot just disappeared behind a cloud, (laughs) and you can't see him anymore. You've thrown away three years following this incredible, amazing person. You've seen amazing things, and now he's gone, You know, it doesn't surprise me that verse 10 tells us they were looking up intently into the sky as he was going. Because you're supposed to be following. This guy is everything. You've given up everything for him, and now 
He's gone. It's, it's, um, to me, as I imagine that feeling, it reminds me of uh, after we had Foster and, and you get out of the hospital, and for us, we stayed a few days, and at night, they take the baby away so that you can sleep when you're in the hospital these days. They probably didn't do that in the, in the old days. Uh, but then one morning, they come in the room and they say, okay, it's time to go home. And they give you this little tiny baby and they tell you to strap him inside this car seat and put him in your car and drive him home. And there are no nurses there. Um, there are... <laughs> There are no uh, 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 people to take the baby away at night so that you can sleep. And, and you realize as you're walking down the hallway that that really nice hospital staff is waving goodbye at you and you're on your own. Or it's, it's, like, um, it's like that feeling when your mom, you know, like drops you off for kindergarten for the first time and you walk uh, uh, up the sidewalk and you go in those big doors and there's this lady waiting for you and, and mom stays behind and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> this isn't how it's supposed to be. I, I need you. So it doesn't surprise me that they stood there slack-jawed looking at the clouds, hoping that maybe Jesus was just popping up there to get something and would be coming right back, you know? Because in that moment, uh, something enormous just ended for these, these 11 men. Something uh, life-shaping, something they had gotten rid of everything else in favor of is, is over. And I am willing to guess that maybe they haven't quite come to terms with it on that hill. They may uh, not even completely realize it, but their uh, time of eating with Jesus walking right behind him everywhere he goes, seeing him do incredible things and, and thinking, I could never do anything like that. that. That is over, and it's never coming back. Uh, they'll never get to follow Jesus in the same way that they did those three years. Because in that moment, when his foot disappears behind the right cloud, everything is changed, and it's never coming back. And, 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 it's, and you'll never go back to that old way, Right? You never go back to the way it was before you moved out of your, your parents' house. Um, you can never go back to the way it was before you moved far away or before you got married. Um, the, baby, the baby does not ever go back into mom's belly, even if big brother really wants it to. <laughs> you never go back to how it was before you graduated high school or got that promotion or lost your parent your spouse, your child, your dream, your job, or your plans. Uh, there are things that happen in life that change everything. And there's a moment that was before that happened and a time that is after, and you'll never go back to living in B.C. again. Uh, a very wise uh, pastor friend of mine uh, just wrote a book about, about how to navigate change. And, and the way he talks about it is this. I thought it was really helpful. He says, change is, is the irreversible event that happens to us. Change is out of our control. Change comes into our lives. You know, Jesus ascends into heaven. You have the baby. You get the job, and it changes everything. And often you can't do anything about that change. Uh, but, but the place that is in your control, he encourages, is how you uh, transition 
Uh, transition is all about how you respond to the change and move forward into something new. And for uh, whether they knew it or not, yet in this moment on that hill staring into the sky, for these 11 men, the life they had gotten used to had changed, and it was never coming back. Uh, the passage continues. Acts says, Luke and Acts says, um, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and nobody's saying everything. They're looking, and suddenly, uh, two men dressed in white stand beside them, and they say, men of Galilee, and everybody has a little mini heart attack, right? Um, I'm, I'm someone who's easily startled. Ask my poor, long-suffering wife. You know, if she's not being loud and she comes around a court, I'm like, <gasps> you know, and I just imagine, you know, you're staring and there's a guy behind you, men of Galilee, and they gasp. And the, the men say, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. And maybe some of them are thinking, yeah, I know, any minute now, and I don't want to miss it. (laughs) They're holding on to hope, right? Staring into the sky that maybe the change hadn't really happened. Maybe things could be back to normal. Maybe any minute he would come back uh, down. Maybe if I just stare a little longer. I remember um, after my first year of college, I went to a, a Bible school my first year in Colorado. That's where I met Aaron. It was a wonderful place. You know, that, that first year away from home, those relationships that you make, those people you meet, it's so special. It's so important. But after that year, I, I switched schools. I moved from Colorado to Chicago uh, to attend a different school. And a few people came with me. Aaron came with and, and other friends. Uh, but I'll never forget I spent my whole first year, my whole second year of college at North Park, um, trying as hard as I could to uh, stare at the sky of what last year was about. I'm trying as hard as I could to cling on to the feeling of that first year, the relationships of that first year. And And I grabbed onto all those things back in Colorado so hard, I was completely unable to hear and see what God had for me at North Park for my whole first year of of college because for a year I tried to recapture and recreate and return to something that was good but over. Often when change hits us, we stand there gaping at it, hoping we can undo it or deny it or ignore it uh, but, uh, and we miss uh, the transition that God has for us. We miss the new call that comes out of that change. And, and I imagine uh, some of the disciples are, are going to do that. You know, they're, they're thinking about doing that. They're staring at the sky, hoping to go back. And then the other human response to change, the other way we often respond when, when something happens we don't expect is, is we start making plans, how am I going to get past this change as fast as possible? How am I going to move on to something else? Um, this, this happens to people often when you lose somebody close to you. you. You just dive into the work of moving on. If I can get this list checked off, then I can start in a new life. That old life is gone. This is how I'm going to move forward, right? And so the disciples, those 11 disciples standing there on the mountain staring at the sky, I'm sure if they're human, there's at least one of them that's thinking, okay, Uh, Jesus is gone. Now what are we going to do? How are we going to solve this problem? How are we going to go forward? How are we going to follow the mission that that God has for us? 
How do we make the best of this situation? Um, when change hits some of us, we just jump right into our strategy for what's next. We, we get busy, we solve problems, we try and convince ourselves to get over it, and we kick ourselves that we're still thinking about that old way, and that's done, and I shouldn't feel this way anymore. And, and I think sometimes we think that if we can make something new as quickly as possible, no matter how hastily assembled, if we can rush into some kind of new way of living, then we'll forget what we lost and we can just put all that in the past and move on, keep moving forward. And, and maybe they're sitting there saying, hey, you know, Jesus said, he gave us a mission when he left. He said, we have to be witnesses. Who are we going to tell first? Where should we start? Jesus said, Jerusalem. All right, let's get together and start being witnesses in Jerusalem. I imagine some of the disciples might have been thinking that. How do we tell the story? Who do we start with? Who takes the lead? What do we do next? And these questions, they flood in after we experience a change. Let's stop standing around and get started. We're burning daylight, people. But at some point, those disciples standing on the hill at the prompting of those angels, as they're talking about imagining what they can do, I, I have to imagine that at some point, uh, they said, yes, Jesus said we have a mission to go on, but, but Jesus also said something else. And if you've ever uh, worked with a group of people, whether it's like a leadership team or a council or um, any team that's trying to do something together, um, everybody gets excited about an idea, and you always have that one person that's like, but but didn't Jesus say something else? And everybody looks at them, they're ready to go, like, let's get moving. And, and, and you know, so-and-so, it's probably like Thomas. Everybody's sick of Thomas by now. And he's like, but guys, <laughs> I don't think it's time to figure out our strategy yet. He said, Jesus said something else. He said, um, he said, wait. Uh, remember uh, in the verse, he says, don't leave, for, don't leave Jerusalem, Jesus says to the disciples, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Spirit. And that one person, you're like, just, just go home. We've got plans. No, and, and they listen. They listen, and so they do. They go back home and they wait. Because Jesus said uh, before the mission, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But for now, the mission was coming, but for now, their call, it, it was to, to wait. They would be witnesses, but they were missing a key component. So they were missing uh, God's direction, but more than that, they were missing the Spirit. And as we look at Acts this summer, you're going to be amazed at um, the way the Spirit challenges and changes plans of really good people. Uh, the way the Spirit surprises really faithful people about the best way to move forward, the way the Spirit challenges us even when we're pretty sure we know what the right thing is to do. Uh, the Spirit uh, surprises, and so they, they decide to, to wait. And, and the reason they had to wait is because, we all know, right, uh, they didn't have what they needed to accomplish the mission, they could have made a plan. They could have gone out into the city and started uh, doing whatever it is they want to do, but they, they simply didn't have what they needed. One uh, commentary I read put it this way. Uh, what they have to do, the disciples, the apostles, uh, their mission to be witnesses to who Jesus was over the whole world, it's so important 
And it's going to require so much of them that God must equip them for the task. Uh, God won't let them down. He won't leave them waiting in Jerusalem, but he'll give them the one thing they need to be witnesses. And what they need isn't uh, great ideas and gumption, but, but it's, it's the spirit that they wait for. Uh, but it's important to know, uh, I think, it's important to know because sometimes uh, we, we catch ourselves gaping at the sky, uh, you know, waiting for something else, but, but there's actually a difference. There's a difference between what the disciples do in Jerusalem and, and just kind of being lazy. Like, we think of waiting as just total inactivity. It's actually not the same thing as sleeping on the couch, hoping that somebody will come in and turn things upside down. Um, Waiting uh, is, is active. It's actively not acting. It's intentionally looking and listening and focusing and not doing. It's not the same as sitting on the couch. It's, it's waiting for the right time. Um, sometimes waiting can feel like failure and surrender. And when you know when God is calling you to wait for something, the people around you, uh, they're, they're likely to say, hey, what are you doing? Get going. You've got problems to solve. But if you know you're waiting, you're able to turn, uh, tune some of those things out. Sometimes waiting, it looks lazy and inactive to people. People and even yourself will say, move. This is it. Do something. Go. But there is a difference between waiting and neglect or inaction. And, and the difference is this. Uh, waiting is, is much more uh, like, like what a snake does when it's getting ready to bite you. <laughs> uh, and, I've, and I've got a couple pictures on there if I remember to, to put that slide in. Maybe I didn't, Andy. Um, yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that. It's the snake waiting for the right moment. Waiting is what uh, the runner does sitting on the blocks. Uh, they are not uh, moving. They are not active. They are not running the race. They're, they're waiting. Waiting is like, you know, the old revolutionary story, you know, don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes. They're not sleeping on a couch. They're waiting. Waiting is what you do in a deer stand, and you see the deer, and you know it's too far away to shoot, and everybody under a certain age shoots anyway, and everybody else knows to wait, hold. I, I think uh, sometimes in the middle of change um, uh, coming, and, it, and it's out of our control, uh, we, we want to react, we want to move, but I think sometimes God is inviting us um, not to, to rush past it, not always to make a new plan. Uh, sometimes after a loss, uh, we want to move on as quickly as possible, but God is saying, wait. Sometimes I think God wants us to sit in it, to hold, not inactively, not disengaged, but engaged, watching, waiting for the right moment, keep the powder dry. And I think the call to wait is the most difficult call to follow uh, for, for people. Uh, because it feels like the biggest waste of time imaginable. We like action, success, or failure. Uh, Our culture tells us we need to anxiously respond to every word somebody says, everything somebody does, every change that happens. 
Uh, but as we, as we read in Acts together, and you'll notice this uh, in the next couple of weeks, when the disciples wait for the Spirit and the Spirit's lead, it makes all the difference. Um, on Confirmation Sunday, we'll tell the story of what they were waiting for in that moment and how because they waited for just the right moment in just the right place, they were ready to do exactly what God had in mind for them. And had they moved earlier, had they gone somewhere else, had they rushed off in activity and anxiety without the Spirit, uh, it, it would have, they would have, they would have shot their shell and been reloading when it was time, uh, when it was time to move. Because the Spirit arrives at just the right moment on Pentecost, cost, and the witnesses, they're in just the right place. Sometimes um, we need to wait, because like the disciples, um, we don't have what we need yet to do the thing that God wants us to do. Uh, sometimes God calls us to wait because maybe we're not ready uh, to hear the leading of the Spirit yet. We're too busy reacting and responding and, and pushing back and pulling to, to hear that voice. Sometimes, uh, and sometimes I think God calls us to wait because the time, it, it just isn't right yet. Uh, maybe God has given you an idea of, of something that he wants you to do. Something, maybe God's calling you to do something, but he's saying not yet because the time, it's, it's just not right. And when you're waiting, there isn't a whole lot you can do um, except for ask yourself, um, uh, first of all, uh, uh, do, I, do I know Jesus? You know, there's no point in waiting and thinking through the scripture and Bible if you don't have a relationship with Christ. You know, that's the first, the first thing. Uh, you can ask yourself as you're waiting, when God's asking you to wait, is am I, um, am I falling asleep in waiting? Uh, am I anxiously striving, ignoring what God's saying? Um, another a few questions to ask yourself when God is calling you to wait. Am I listening for the Spirit's voice right now? Am I praying for God's lead? If, if God had something to say to me, am I in a place in my life where I have any time to actually hear it? Do I spend any time listening for what God might say to me? Do I have any time connecting in relationship with him? If God called me, would I be able to hear his call to move and would I be willing to follow when he makes it? And it's, and it's hard. You know, waiting, waiting is hard because every impulse in your body when you're actively waiting, like that snake, it, everything in that snake wants to strike. You know, the, the red coats, they're getting closer and closer the deer is right in our sight, but maybe a little too far away. The other runners, they're getting ready to go too. It feels like that starting pistol is just about to go off, and maybe if we go now, we'll beat it by a second. We'll get a little advantage. We think, I'm just about to miss my chance. And when you're waiting, every bone in your body, it says, go, react, move. Every friend that you have is like, what are you doing? Move, go, react. Try something, do something. But if you take that shot a little too early, if you flinch on the starting block, if the snake lunges at you when you're just too far away, you miss it. Sometimes we're invited to wait, coiled up, ready for the word of our master. Is it time, Lord? Listening, ready for the spirit to say, move. And sometimes, um, and, and this happens to all of us, sometimes you'll wait and you'll think, oh, okay, I think God is calling me to this. I think this is what he has for me. And you'll, and you'll go, and you'll go a, a little too early. <laughs> 
Sometimes you'll wait, and you'll say, oh, I think maybe this is it. And, and you'll hear God's opportunity. Maybe this is a person you've been praying for a long time. It's time to talk to them, whatever it is, and you'll let it, you'll let it slip by sometimes. Sometimes when you wait, you, you don't do it right, right? You don't take the chance, or maybe you go too early. And when that happens, you know, God's abundant love and grace is there for you. He scoops you back up. He cares for you, and he helps you uh, follow next time. Because God's grace, it, it pursues you. Because it's not about what, what you do to be worthwhile. God doesn't cast us out when we fail to wait well. And it's not about the chances we miss and the failures that we have. Uh, they'll come and go, but God, he won't turn his back on us when we fail. But, but every once in a while, uh, every once in a while, if you're really following God, if you're spending time listening for the voice of the Spirit, you're connecting with other believers, you're resting in his grace for you, every once in a while, God gives you the grace to really be in tune with his Spirit. Uh, every once in a while, God gives you the grace to quiet those other anxious voices inside of yourself, to block out the anxious voices in the mouths of others so that you can hear his call and move right when it's time. And there is nothing else like it. Because in the right moment, at the right time, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the world can change in ways you can't anticipate. At the right moment, God can do the impossible. Showing up for that person in the hospital that one day, uh, it might change your life, and it might change theirs. Uh, talking to that coworker about your faith, it might change your life on that day and it might change your, theirs. Taking that opportunity might bless many and change your life and there is nothing like it. So as we begin Acts together as a church this summer, may we remember that at times God calls us to wait. Be ready for that. And may we be ready to hear his voice when he calls us to move. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you pursue us with your grace and love and care. You don't sit in heaven waiting for us to be perfect and make all the right choices and always do what we ought. You look at us and you know what we know, that we are sinners in need of grace. Maybe, uh, maybe there's someone here, Lord, that's never admitted that, and you invite us to say, I am a sinner. You invite us to put our faith and our trust in you, uh, in your son who lived and died and rose again, and you tell us that if we uh, believe with our hearts and confess with our lips that you are God, you'll give us life eternal. So Lord, we put our faith in your son. And finally, Lord, we ask that by your spirit and your gentle hand, you make us new. You transform us into the creations that you always intended us to be. And that during that process, you hold on to us tight. Help us to be, Lord, like children, uh, like good, perfect children, who listen for your voice and know uh, how to respond to you. Help us to be like the disciples as they learn uh, to hear the voice of your spirit before they rush in anxiety. Help us to be good waiters, ready to stop when you call us to stop and jump and go and leap when you call us to leap. Help us to be 
ready waiters, Lord. We know that you have the grace enough for us. And that it's not about if we succeed or fail, but it's about your love for us. But Lord, we want to be in the middle of of what you imagine for our lives. And so we thank you for your gift. We thank you for the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus. We thank you for the promise of eternal life. We thank you, God, in your name. Amen. Amen. I'd like to invite the worship team to come forward. Let's conclude our service in praise. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.